Welcome in. It's a fan check down on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. The fan check down is presented by ProLine Plus, the only sports book where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. Donovan, the drama of the week has already begun. We are just fresh into the, you know, the start of Super Bowl week. We had media day yesterday. Um, looked like a lot of fun. Looks like it's always a lot of fun. Um, and the 49ers are already not happy about the conditions of their practice field. Is this, is this something that is, I'm not up with the kids. I think it's cap or no cap. I sound really old right now. And you are a lot more trendy than I am. So you would probably know the answer to that. I'll, I'll use a phrase that our parents would have used. Stop being a suck. <laughs> like, uh, man, it, it's Tuesday at 11 Eastern. Don't bother me with this stuff this uh, early in the day. It's like, oh, the, uh, Nick Bosa, can you tell us about the Chiefs offensive line? Oh, they hold a lot. Well, that goes without saying. We know that. And Bill Vinovich is not going to be calling any of it. So get over it. Jed York, uh, when you think of... The last Super Bowl, what comes to mind? Well, Nick Bosa was being held on Wasp. Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, you're so in your feelings. Now it's the field. It, newsflash, Vegas is a desert. Mm-hmm. Newsflash, it's rained nonstop. The fields are going to be a little softer than normal. Like You would think. that. That's There's no conspiracy. The, the Chiefs are the AFC team. So they are in the facility that the Raiders have. Al Davis rolling around in his grave right now because the Chiefs, Lamar Hunt's the team in his facility at a Super Bowl would not be happy. Yeah. But the flip side is, you know, who, who the other rival of the Raiders historically was the Niners because when they were, you know, two Bay Area teams. So either way, that would not have been a, a good luck. The, the two logos in the end zones in the Raiders stadium being the Niners and the Chiefs is just going to drive a bunch of longtime Raiders fans up a wall. But UNLV, their practice facility, their entire facility, immaculate for a football program that's not that good. And they just got a $10 million um, gift from Tillman Fertitta. I think it was within the last couple of years, I think, too. It's beautiful. They did, and... Just to ensure that this wouldn't be an issue, you know what the NFL did? They put in new grass, yeah. knowing that one of their teams is going to practice there. California grass. It could be Kingston, Ontario grass. I don't care what it is. Stop Kentucky complaining. Blue, baby. The, the, I've learned more about grass gravity <laughs> than I care to know. Did you know what grass gravity was? I still don't know what it is. For for those who don't know, and I'm going to try to be Bill Nye, the science before, guy. Before you do for this, the next ten seconds. Before you do this, this is gonna. This is very reminiscent of me talking about the moon phase when the Lions were playing in the Thanksgiving Day game, in which it ended up coming to fruition it again. Did. But continue. So grass gravity is how hard or soft the ground, the grass is, and so generally it's at a hundred. The Niners like it at 70. This field evidently was at 50. If it was at 100, the Niners would have still complained that it wasn't at 70. So who's testing? Like, this is my thing. Like, is there a sports science behind this? Like, we have less injuries because our grass gravity is 70 as opposed to 100. 
What I want to know what it is at MetLife. The thing is, one, they didn't have an injury. No. Two, this week, let's be honest, you're not really practicing. This no. week is a glorified walkthrough. Your practicing was done last week at your home facility. There is uh, not enough time. You know the people who are practicing? People who are on the bubble based off of health who need to prove that they are yeah. healthy enough to be up this week. Those people are theoretically going hard. Yeah, just, just stop. Uh, guest note, in a five or so minutes time, uh, Mark Tressman will join us. He participated in a Super Bowl with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, the year Rich Gannon won MVP, um, 2002. Well, it was the 2002 season. It happened in 2003. Anywho, he will join us in a couple minutes. Is this... You talked about the Niners kind of getting in their own head. This already feels like built-in excuses for if they lose. Like, I know maybe that's a little too far off the beaten path, but that's kind of what it feels like. Like, we're already in our own head. If we lose, it's because we had a terrible practice field. And it's not terrible. Your boy, Harbaugh, talking about didn't like chickens because they're a nervous bird. Remember that? (laughs) He then went on to, to... buy a bunch of chickens and now likes them because they're, and he, and he they're couldn't low maintenance. Br- and he couldn't bring them with him to L.A. He sold them to someone down the street, I believe. Or not sold them, but gave them away. By the way, having chickens oh. is fantastic. Sold them to a a record-setting chicken owner, evidently. Oh, the fact eggs. that what was going to happen with the chickens, because Los Angeles isn't exactly you know, the ideal spot to be raising some chickens. I thought it was a fascinating subplot to Harbaugh to the Chargers. <laughs> and even the Niners feel like a nervous bird. Like they're just, you know, complaining about stuff. They're, they're whining. The, if you juxtapose, juxtaposed in English, the two opening night pressers that we saw, Chiefs were loose. Yep. Travis Kelsey answering questions about Taylor's upcoming album. Had he heard the music? Had he not? I would hope he's heard the music. I'd hope so, too. But maybe she doesn't trust him not to leak. Who knows? Ooh, that's not a good start to your marriage. No. I, as we talked about before we caught up with uh, our friend uh, JB, relationships are all about trust. And the Niners seem paranoid. It, it's as if they have all this ner- nervous energy that they need to channel somewhere. Yeah, put it towards the practice field. The, the Chiefs... All the clips you hear, great opponent, really grateful to be here. We're going to have to be, play our A game, whatever. Whether or not they believe it, this is the stance they're going with. The Niners, they hold, oh my goodness, the world's against us. So, like, to me, just on, on vibes, I feel like I, I like where the Chiefs camp is relative to the Niners. And how much of that is just because they've already done it? Because because, part of it. because this narrative, you know, and we talked about this with Patrick Mahomes, but it goes for the whole Chiefs team as well. If they lose this, there's no negative. There's Unless they get blown out. But even if they get blown out, people are just like, well, they weren't supposed to be there anyway. And I feel like there's so much pressure on the Niners because after they went through that three-game losing streak, um, it was early in the, it was before the first half of the season ended 
and they went on that losing streak, and everybody's like, oh, hold on a second. And then after that, it was like, oh, my God, the Chiefs, the, the Niners are the best team. We haven't had that conversation about the Chiefs at all this season, that they are the best team. They are the Super Bowl favorite. Outside of, you know, a couple of games where they, you know, they blew the doors off of the Bears who were awful at that point, and you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe they're better. But we've never had the conversation of, the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. The Chiefs are the best team in the NFL this season when the season started. We've had that conversation plenty about the San Francisco 49ers. So I wonder if they're just like, not that they're happy to be there because they're not. They're going there to win. But the narrative on this team doesn't change. They still should not have been here based on what we had seen throughout the regular season. And so with the Niners, I just feel like there's, I feel like there's so much more pressure on the Niners right now to win. Sunday night, when Andy Reid goes to bed, regardless of the score and outcome, he's sleeping good. He's still a top three or four head coach of all time. No question. If they win, he's sleeping really good because he's going to be hungover. And eating cheeseburgers. If they lose, he's sleeping good saying, I got literally everything I could out of this roster. Now we're into draft prep. I need to go get a first-round receiver. Like, that is... What his life looks like Monday morning. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan. If the Niners win, the next day we're looking at boards comparing his record to his father's. We're looking at his coaching tree. We're looking at, is he the new Andy Reid? If they lose, is he the new Marv Levy? Yeah, we're talking about three Super Bowl losses for him. Is he the guy who can get you there, design an offense or whatnot, but... Give him two weeks or give him 10 minutes and a lead and he can't close the deal. I think this, the pendulum swings much greater. And, you know, as a coach, you have to focus on so many things. Everybody in the building wants a piece of your time. I have to think that some of that mental energy can get dangerous if you're not thinking about just executing and thinking about, you know, legacy instead of, you know, taking care of the backside terror in the run game. Uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, especially during Super Bowl week. Uh, someone who is very familiar with Super Bowl week is Mark Trestman, former NFL head coach and coordinator, great cup champion, and he joins us. Mark, thanks a lot for uh, taking some time for us today. Really appreciate it. How are you? I'm, I'm awesome, Matt and Donovan. Uh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. So before we get to like this week and, and some of the other stuff, um, I, I wanted to, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this because a lot has happened since we had you on last. And I wanted to talk to you about uh, Jim Harbaugh heading to the Chargers. Um, you worked with him in Oakland. He was the QB coach there when, when you were the offensive coordinator. Why is he the right guy to help guide Justin Herbert? Well, I think that his record speaks for himself. Wherever he's been, he's had success at San Diego, the University of San Diego. He had it with Oliver Luck. He had it with J.J. McCarthy. I mean, wherever he's gone, he's had success. He is uh, a lover of the quarterback position. Um, he can empathize with the quarterback. He was successful at both the college and professional level. And uh, I think most importantly, he's got uh, uh, values and a love of the game that uh, that can transcend the locker room. And all of that, you know, is, is critically important. It's one thing to be competent at coaching quarterbacks. It's another to have the, the trust of your team and uh, his teams have always trusted him. Uh, he, uh, he's consistent, he's transparent, he's authentic. And I think all of those go into, you know, probably uh, 
making him the most highly recruited uh, head football coach in a long time. You know, some of those adjectives you used to describe him, specifically a lover of the quarterback position, you could say of the two head coaches in the Super Bowl. Although I find this game fascinating in terms of stylistically, offensively, they're much different. But but when you dig into the tape, you know, they always give their quarterbacks answers, but really they, they win at the line of scrimmage. When you look at these these two offensive approaches we're going to see on Sunday, what jumps out to you? Well, I think you really described it. I don't know if that's Donovan or, or Matt, but it's a, it's a great question. I think that, you know, number one, when you're when you're coaching offense, you've got to play physical at the line of scrimmage, and that doesn't just mean in the run game. It means in the passing game, and both of those teams have uh, very physical offensive lines. But the second part of being an offensive coach is you've got to design plays that allow your quarterback, as simple as it sounds, is to complete a throwing motion to keep them up. They don't waste plays. They have answers. They don't have to throw hot very often because you don't want to throw hot against zone coverages. You only want to throw hot versus man-to-man. One of the uh, um, uh, guys on one of the stations said that last week, and it's very true. Um, so you, you've got to be really confident in understanding offensive line play and, and the science behind uh, allowing your quarterback to complete throwing motions. And in both cases, uh, with Kyle and with Andy, they both understand that thoroughly. And then the other side of it is they've got quarterbacks that can get them out of trouble. Brock Purdy proved it last week on three occasions by, you know, running for important first downs and extending drives. And, you know, at the end of the day, the anomaly in this game is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Can he continue to, uh, to, to be as magical as he's been throughout his career? Uh, if there's ever a good question asked, it was Donovan that asked it, not me. So you can always take that <laughs> one to the bank. Um, Thomas okay. Dimitrov said he should have been in scouting meetings yesterday on the show. So, I mean, we know where we're at here. Um, I want a question about preparing for Super Bowl week from, from your perspective and your perch, and, and you've been there. Um, we've seen in previous Super Bowls uh, the offensive minds bring something to the table that we have not seen from them all year. Um, do you expect that from from both of these coaches this week? Because both offenses have been pretty good over the course of the playoffs, and and the Chiefs more so um, in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. But Andy Reid is an offensive genius. So is Kyle Shanahan. Um, is there something that even you did with the Raiders that you know you hadn't really used it all year, or maybe you tried a, a, a something that was a variable of something that you had done? Um, how do you approach that as an offensive coordinator? Do you have a yeah. couple of those trick plays or different plays in your bag? Well, I, I would say this uh, is the, the year that we went to the Super Bowl. There was only one week of preparation, which is, I'm using the word anomaly twice, but the fact of the matter is in the last 20 years, there's never been one week between games, but our game. So that changes everything. It's very hard. I mean, I, I, I know enough about the Super Bowl and what teams do be able to answer the question, but, you know, we probably tried to do too much in the week when our players were still tired. We had an older team. Um, we had very little time for preparation. You've got so many more media demands and everything else, but I would suspect that, um, you know, they have a, they have their base offenses. I think that in games of this magnitude, it's best to do what you do best. But the, if you look at the history of these teams each and every week, they're going to they're going to have something new in 
they're going to have th- two or three things that, that um, they haven't seen, defenses haven't seen, and you usually put those in early just to get teams scrambling a little bit on the sideline defensively um, in terms of um, you know what they might show them in personnel groupings or formations that they hadn't prepared for or hadn't seen. And then conversely, you may see something defensively regarding protections um, that you know they may have found a hole in a protection to be able to hit them early. So again, offensive line coaches are a little bit more scrambling on the sideline to make sure they cover any adjustments. You want to get them thinking a little bit more and distract them from just playing the game. But th- but that's each and every week. This year, they obviously they have two weeks to prepare. So I think you'll see a little bit of both of that. But I also think that um, this is going to come down to players making plays and both teams have them. You talked about seeing some new things early. When you look at the Chiefs in the playoffs, they've been so good early, especially on those plays that have been scripted by Andy Reid going into the game. If you're Steve Wilts, knowing that I'm going to get these 15 plays they've really thought of and repped pretty high, what do you do in terms of any self-scouting on what you might see? How do you approach making sure you manage that portion of the football game? Yeah, I mean, you, you really, there is self-scouting involved, but there's also, you know, whether you're coaching offense or defense, you have rules to cover just about everything. So um, I, I guess the, the real nuance here is can, can Andy Reid find the rules of, of that Steve Wilkes has and, and find a way to, you know, find a blind spot that he may not have seen. I mean, that's what, you know, your quality control people do during the week. They, they self-scout you. They let you know what Steve Wilkes expects to see, you know, or, or you know, the, the uh, you know, Kansas City expects to see and, and, and really go from there. But more often than not, they're going to run what they know they're comfortable with, they could, they could do in their sleep. Um, but both teams each and every week during the season – have come up with some new things, and they've done that in just a couple of days, a Monday and Tuesday, and they've installed it on a Wednesday. You know, this year, and obviously because of the two weeks, most of the game plans installed last week, and uh, that eases the minds and the stress on players. They've already basically run and practiced everything last week that they're going to run this week, and now it's just, you know, clean it up a little bit and make sure everybody's uh, on the same page in all phases. Mark Trussman, former NFL head coach and coordinator, Grey Cup champion as well, joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on the fan checkdown. So where do you fall in this Brock Purdy discussion? Because I really do hate when people talk about, you know, the system QB, because while all QBs are from a system, it's not backyard football. You know, just go out and play. Um, so what have you liked about his game and what haven't you liked in his game? And, and doesn't it really feel like people forget that, A, this guy was not really supposed to be here technically as a seventh round pick the last pick in the draft and that he's only in his second year and not even second full year like do we need to kind of you know temper the the uh criticisms of brock purdy just a little bit here well first of all i I wrote about brock purdy on the 33rd team you know after the first few games i've just been so impressed with what he says how he says it how he plays um, he's an elite quarterback. That's where he is. He's an elite player. And I think he took it to another level last week because he found a way to win a game when they were and to come from behind. Um, I'm just so impressed. I think he's one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the league. I would expect him to play at a very high level this week. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to change my feelings about him. He is 
a great football player and a great quarterback. He's got um, tremendous feet. And when I think about some of the best quarterbacks that I've been around and watched over my lifetime, feet matter. You got to know how to dance when you play quarterback. You got to have rhythm. He has rhythm. He has exceptional feet. He's got accuracy as number one on the hit parade. He's proven his toughness. He's got tremendous ability to process. The game slows down for him. There's nothing I can say that's not tremendous about him. And again, the more you get to know somebody, sometimes the more, more critical you are of them. And we're going to find ways to be critical of him, just like we are of Josh Allen and uh, some of the other great quarterbacks that have played the game. There's always something we can find. But, you know, where he is right now, he's an elite quarterback playing in his first Super Bowl in his second year, not even his second year. And, uh, uh, you know, just like Dan Marino early on in his career, the difference is he was one, he was, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, and Dan was a first round pick. But the bottom line is, is what we're seeing and what we've seen for the last two years is who he is. And uh, he's going to make some mistakes along the way. They all do. He's got very little experience relative to a lot of these other quarterbacks, certainly Pat Mahomes. But I'm all in on Purdy. I have been, you know, since early last year. Okay, so you talked about, you know, being able to nitpick certain things from quarterbacks' games. Um, Patrick Mahomes, then. Because we watch him, and we've seen the kind of evolution based on the talent around him. We've seen the guy who's the gunslinger that, you know, tries to, to make big plays and play a little bit of backyard football while he's out there. And we've also seen the other side of him, which is, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the game manager. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, don't have a, a, a high A dot. Don't make any mistakes. Just, just do what you've got to do to win games. When you watch Patrick Mahomes, what can you look at his game and say, oh, that's something that he needs to work on? Because we always talk about the great positives with Patrick Mahomes, as we should, because he's one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen already. But is there something from his game that you look at and go, that's something that he could work on a little bit and take his game even to a, a, a more significant level? Well, I think you said the right thing. I mean, I always said after you win a game, winning can hide deficiencies. And when you play at the level as he plays, there can be deficiencies. I'm just not good enough to tell you what they are. I mean, I think what Andy Reid does is is absolutely phenomenal. He lets him play the game. He doesn't, you know. I know, I know the Kansas City Chiefs have read sheets for the quarterbacks. I mean, they're just not shooting from the hip each and every week with every pass call. They have reads, but you know, Patrick Mahomes is. I'm going to use. I'm going to go in threes here. Is an anomaly within the game. I don't know what weaknesses he has. He runs when he needs to run. He makes the plays when he needs to make the plays. He wins. And the most important thing, he takes care of the football. No matter what he does, he's always taking care of the football for the most part. And that's the number one job of a quarterback, to protect the ball. Nothing matters more. You protect the ball, you're, you have a chance to go to the Super Bowl every single year. And he does that. So, um, you know, Purdy's at the top of the league in almost every department. Patrick Mahomes does things that, uh, he, and he transcends players. I mean, he's got all new receivers. He's got new backs, you know. I mean, Scantling, Pacheco, you know, these guys are, are relatively new. You know, some of these guys, um, Tony, um, and, and, and he just transcends, you know, different coaches, different, different, you know, the enemy, the Nagy, you know, he just keeps going. Um, he's a remarkable, remarkable player. I don't know that he has a weakness. One of the things that maybe isn't used to describe these two teams um, is they're smart. 
how multiple the 49ers are being able to interchange where their offensive players are, but everyone is assignment correct. You know, the fact that Mahomes and Kelsey can be on the same page, see things the same way and have a sale technique and understand, okay, I'm not going to run the out just because I'm supposed to. I'm going to actually sit in the hole because uh, that's what the defense is giving us. We watch and we say, oh, right, that's a great, like, backyard football play. Can you let the listener know the amount of reps and study it takes for a Mahomes and Kelsey to be on the same page or uh, a McCaffrey and Debo to change roles and, and not have a mistake? Yeah, well, you know, just you talk Kelsey and Mahomes. I mean, they run that route that you talked about hundreds of times. And and they know how to adjust the route versus zone so they don't run into a corner who's leveling in the flat. But what is remarkable is you can't coach when Patrick Mahomes starts to run around and extend plays off platform, how Kelsey just has this, uh, innate ability to find a space. Those are two, com- two completely different things. You run a route, you know, you settle versus zone, you know, where you run away versus man. That's a basic play that every team in the NFL runs that has that adjustment. It's another that how, do, how does Kelsey get wide open once Mahomes leaves the pocket? And that's a gift that Kelsey has and the relationship that they have and the ability that they have. So I think we're talking, you know, two different things. When you talk about when you talk about the uh, the 49ers, the the West Coast offense is built so the coordinator can call any formation he wants and call any concept he wants, and everybody learns the concept so he can place them any spot he wants. That's the simplicity of the offense. So you can line up McCaffrey uh, at, at the running back position, but if Debo's at, at the wide receiver position, McCaffrey's going to know what he does because. They have a formation that'll put McCaffrey out there, and that concept he has to be able to adapt to. So the beauty of of Kyle Shanahan with McCaffrey and Justick and Debo and Aku and 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 Kittle, um, uh, they can go anywhere and do anything. It's like it's like a free for all, you know, on game plan day, and and a and, and a basketball game on game plan day to get people and create coverages and determine whether it's man or zone. So they play a little different game. It's similar to Kansas City, but they have more game-breaking players uh, than Kansas City does. The uh, the X factor is Mahomes. He he makes everything right with the Kansas City offense in in San Francisco's offense. Pick pick either five one of those five guys. They all have game-breaking ability. Mark, when you look at at the San Francisco defense, and if you're Andy Reid and trying to game plan against them, you know the secondary is a little bit leaky. the the front The front five or front seven that they have is fantastic. We know about the the linebackers that the Niners have. We know about that front four with Chase Young and Nick Bosa on the outside, and Eric Armstead in the middle. Um, when you look at that team, like Patrick Mahomes has not taken a ton of deep shots. And if there's one thing that we know is that San Francisco's defense, that secondary has been given up big plays. Andy Reid, you know, historically does not love to run the football, but he's done a really good job with Isaiah Pacheco. The Niners run defense has been pretty good all season. 
How do you approach this game? Like, are, are you trying to take some shots early to try and keep them on their toes and maybe back them up a little bit? Or do you just say, you know what? We've had success running the football. We're going to, you know, run the ball to set up the pass like we have, and, and we'll just keep it kind of simple and as simple as Andy Reid gets, really. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, Andy, we're, we're talking about Andy Reid as the, as the offensive play caller, but he's also the head coach. So he's got to sit back during the week and say, how are we really going to play this game? You know, how much do we want Purdy and, and that group of fantastic players? I mean, they're all all, pro, all pros at every position, basically. They're uh, at every position. Um, how are we going to do that? But getting back to the Kansas City side, number one is they got to protect the passer because the front is good. Um, the front four are good. They, they don't really have to bring people to get pressure on the quarterback. So they got to determine how they're going to do that. And I think you're going to see them keep people in and, and take the shots on the back end. But I think a lot of a lot of the shots that Kansas City will take will be when Mahomes is off platform and starts to move around. That's when they'll get their chunks. You know, and that's that's been we've seen that that's when he finds Kelsey somewhere scantling somewhere, you know, outside the framework of the play. So um, it's going to be a little bit of a chess match early. Um, you know, I think Kyle can do whatever he wants. I mean, with the right with with McCaffrey, he can do whatever as long as he's got McCaffrey in the game, he can do whatever he wants. He can run it. And he can use Kittle and Aku and, and Debo. I mean, like I said, I, I think this is this is the 49ers with better better personnel overall than Kansas City. But Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes, and that's that's going to be the difference. If he's playing well, you know they'll be in the game till the end. And if if Purdy can take care of the football, you know it's going to be a hell of a game. Before we let you go. I would love your insight on, from an operation standpoint, you know, how do you manage this game? People will say it's just another football game, and it is in terms of, you know, you need to get 10 yards, you need to make tackles and get off blocks, but there's no real game flow. Halftime goes from 15 minutes to 35-plus. There's more and longer stoppages. The game's run by the league and not the team, so the in-game ops aren't as smooth how do you manage your team's expectations and energy in this environment, which is very different than what they've seen throughout the year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, I haven't, I'm not Andy Reid. I haven't been Bill Belichick, but I think it's a, a fantastic question. I think number one is you've got to walk through every phase of it. So when we were in the Super Bowl, we were on the sideline. It was 90 degrees in San Diego, and the sun was on us. You know, we had to prepare for that halftime the same so you know an example would be at our great cups halftimes were longer we basically once they got a drink and did what they had to do you know we had literally coaches meeting and then we we basically had a walk through in the locker room we kept them busy we kept their minds on the game so they weren't just sitting there you know doing whatever they were doing we we kept them active and we we tried to put do a walk through or something football related so they keep their mind active call plays and make sure and and just walk through them you know defensively do some things um you know relative to the game as well so um the biggest thing is is preparing them for what to expect walking through it and then it, it's not the first time once they experience because even though they've been through super bowls both teams there's players that haven't so walking them through and preparing them for the minutiae prior to the game is a good way of um, uh, minimizing 
the, the stress that goes on because the, the feel will be different. It's a great question. Uh, and your and your insight into it, uh, the answer is fantastic. Mark, thank you so much for taking some time for us. I know it's a busy week for you, so we greatly appreciate it. Always appreciate the insight, and thanks for joining us. Oh, it's always my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. There he goes. Mark Tressman, former NFL head coach and coordinator, Great Cup champion, also a contributor to the 33rd team. Fantastic insight. from Mark's such a smart guy. Like, that's, you know, that goes without saying. But great stuff. Really is, and football can be complex game but the way he breaks it down uh, makes it seem so simple so always love listening to him and learning from him quite frankly and i hope the listeners do too because you know that was someone that has experience in both leagues in the cfl and the nfl and he's a champion in one and a super bowl um finalist in in another so there's lots of good stuff there okay there's a few things that we got to get to after this break um one regarding the new york football giants and their quarterback situation this is an interesting one. Also, uh, Bijan Robinson, or sorry, um, Brees Hall gave his top five running backs. Oh, God. You can imagine how that looks. We're going to talk about that. Brees Hall, Brees Hall, Brees Hall, Brees Hall, <laughs> Brees Hall. You got one of them right. Um, we'll talk about that when we come back. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. And if you missed uh, Mark Tressman, who joined us in the last block... Download the podcast. Make sure you listen because whenever we talk to Mark Trestman, we become smarter. And as a listener, you will become smarter too. Truth, Donovan? I could have asked him 70 more questions, yeah. honestly. Yeah, the little nuances and stuff like that. Like, as someone who has been there, um, for him, like, that's... I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Mark Trestman. Relax. As someone who has been there and been in that type of game, like, even the stuff about... At half, I don't want to ruin it. People got to go back and listen to the podcast. But even the stuff about halftime and doing like a walkthrough, a mini walkthrough at halftime, just to keep their mind on the game and like don't let it wander. Like, I never would have thought of that. Treat your players like toddlers, basically. Just got to yeah. keep them active and occupied. Just, just get them to the next nap. <laughs> no, but think about it. You know, Kadarius Tony, oh, God. if he dresses, has a bad drop in the first half. Imagine just sitting there thinking about it for 35 minutes as you're hearing the echoes of Usher. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, speaking of Kadarius Tony, you sent me something yesterday. And he was asked about, what was it, being a wide receiver one or something like that? Let me see. Hold on. I've got to pull up my phone. This is great prep, by the way. Um, here is here's the question. It was from, all right, here we go. Kadarius Tony on if he is a number one receiver. Yeah, if I get the ball. But you can't catch the ball, so that doesn't make you a, a wide receiver one. Like, you suck. You have <laughs> Kadarius Stony hands. Like, come on. Talk about lack of self-awareness. Right now, maybe you're a wide receiver eight. Like, you're not dressing. They've chosen to dress anywhere from five to seven players. Ahead of you at your position. Mm -hmm. Now, 
either you're injured, fair, or... I think he just had a kid, so that was why he didn't play the last game. Correct, but guess what? If Travis Kelsey had a kid, he would have been playing the last game. So, or... Oh, you just made all the Swifties go nuts listening to this program, Donovan. That's that's the album that she... uh, she promoted. It's not actually an album. It's a, it's a child. Um, the, uh, <laughs> Swifties are going to be in your mentions. She's uh, not pregnant. She looks great. You can look great and be pregnant. There's some right? people that don't believe that. I believe the... I agree with you. My and wife is also not listening, and, and she's not for, pregnant. And for the record, so this doesn't get aggregated, <laughs> I'm not saying that they're having a child. I'm just saying if Travis Kelsey was having a child with anybody, doesn't he would have Taylor Swift. played in the previous playoff game. Hold on. Now you've put it out there. People think that Travis Kelsey may be cheating on Taylor Swift. Would you like to aggregate that? <laughs> I'm not talking anymore. Back to Kadarius Tony. He, he has been saved, it seems, from the team, from the ridicule by saying he's injured when really he's just unplayable. And then he told on himself via IG Live and said that he was healthy. Then at opening night last night, he walked that back and said he wasn't going at the Chiefs. He was going at Giants fans in his comments, which doesn't make any sense. Because why would Giants fans at this point care if you're healthy or not, if you're dressing They're happy he's not not there. They're just happy he's not in the blue, white, and red. What a difference a year makes. Oh, God. He's just... He played five snaps and was one of the most impactful players in Super Bowl a year ago. He might play zero snaps this year. Yeah. May not get a ring. Okay, so uh, a few kind of bullet points here before we wrap up the show. Um, so there, the Senior Bowl was last week. Well, it was the game was this past weekend, and then last week they had the practices and interviews and all that stuff. Um, so there are rumors around the super, the senior bowl that the giants were more inclined to add a veteran QB to compete with Daniel Jones rather than draft one. Does that tell us a more about Jaden Daniels? Cause I feel like that or Drake may, or does that tell us how they feel about Daniel Jones? And maybe he just needs a little bit of guidance. Or they don't want to spend any more money at the quarterback position. Column A, B, and C? All of the above? I think they saw how much better their team was with a competent quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. Like, just someone who would get in and out of a huddle, get the plays off, and throw the ball in the vicinity, and stay relatively healthy. And, like, Daniel Jones, quarterback contracts are like the housing market. You get what you get when you get it, and it'll impact the value around for as much as you can. So I don't say he doesn't deserve his contract, but he got his contract off of two-thirds of a good season. And it wasn't even that good of a season, if we're being really honest. No. He threw for under 200 yards or 200 yards or less in, like, 11 of 16 games, it wasn't even that good. It just felt very forced. Uh, so I'm very curious to see. The, the Giants draft at six. And when you really break things down, like obviously everything depends on Chicago at one and what they do. But, you know, Washington, there's a report that, from Jeff Howe 
uh, out of New England that if Elliot Wolf is running the draft, that they may look at drafting a tackle rather than taking a quarterback and just try and see what they can squeeze out of Mac Jones, which, I mean, okay, because if you're bad again, you're bad again, you can get a quarterback next year. Um, Arizona's not taking a quarterback. The Chargers aren't taking a quarterback. If the Giants aren't taking a quarterback, well, guess what? Tennessee's not taking one either. That leaves Atlanta on a prime spot at number eight. But here, here's the thing, though. You talked about the Patriots. Maybe they just punt on QB with Kraft as the owner. You know, the Mara family in New York. We talked about this with Jerry Jones. It applies elsewhere. When you're an owner in advanced age, your temperament to sit through three years potentially of bad football in the hopes of a good quarterback eventually becomes great might be short. You might want to turn this thing around a little bit more fast and be much more aggressive to get yourself relevant again in the playoffs again. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that sentiment, but that's where this draft could get really interesting, which leads me to my next point before we talk about Brees Hall. There was also some rumblings, and this was from executives around the league, and maybe it's just a smokescreen, but that Drake May could end up being the quarterback that falls here. Maybe not Jaden Daniels, certainly not Caleb Williams, but it could be Drake May. If he starts to tumble, like if he gets to five, which is the Chargers, or six with the Giants, or seven with the Titans, I mean, that puts Atlanta in a prime position to grab a quarterback that is actually good and not a figment of our imagination in Desmond Ritter. But then as he tumbles further, that allows other teams like Minnesota, like Den- well, Denver, they can't because they, they don't have enough draft picks to do that. Las Vegas, New Orleans to trade up into the six, seven, eight spot in order to get that quarterback. What that also does is as Drake may gets pushed down the board, a guy who had a really good senior bowl And I know people are going to look back in the national championship and say, well, he wasn't very good. Well, he was hurt and he was running for his life the entire time. Watch more than just the national championship to talk about Michael Penix. He had a really good senior bowl. Like that puts other teams in a position to be like, we don't even have to move and we can get Michael Penix here or we can get Bo Nix here. Like we all thought that there were going to be three quarterbacks taken in the top five for the longest time. If that's not the case, this draft just became a lot more interesting. It did. But my general reaction to that is why is this news out there? It is smoke. Fe- a lot of it's smoke. It's February 6th. Do you know when the NFL draft is? April 25th. Yeah, it's a, it's a long way away. But a lot of things can happen until then. That, I think that's the point. There are so many data points yet to be collected. Like how far he throws at his pro day when nobody's on him? Pro day. Zach Wilson? Uh, NFL combine, uh, interviews, trades that will inevitably happen in between now and then. What free agency looks like at the position and the league as a whole. How these offensive staffs are filled out and the opinions of the potential quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators in various markets. To me, that was, uh, well, this is uh, first week before the Super Bowl week story where we got to talk about something. And so, you know, we're going to start to 
flirt out these Drake May rumors to get, you know, the Reese's Senior Bowl popping. It, it, to me, that is another GM, a, an agent of another client. Donovan, they would never do anything nefarious. How dare you suggest such a thing? Maybe I've watched too much Succession. <laughs> they I would just, absolutely do that. I, I just, I, I don't trust that storyline. Not yet. If we're two weeks, three weeks out, maybe. But let let the guy throw to people on air first before we have him drop it. Uh, I have not watched Succession, so don't ruin it for me. It's it's on the list. Don't ruin it for you? Yeah. You need to tell me you don't know what happens at the end of Succession? I don't. I there, stayed away because I knew I was going to watch it. There was literally news articles written about yeah, I don't, what I don't, happens. I don't do that. I don't do that spoiler the, stuff. The title of the show. I can imagine. Yes, I, I figured as much. It's an outstanding show. I've heard. Um, okay. Brees Hall gave his top five running backs, Donovan. Um, number one is me, as in him. This was on his Twitter X account. Uh, number two, B. John Robinson. Number three, Christian McCaffrey. Number four, Jameer Gibbs. And then he's got a tie at number five between Derrick Henry and David Montgomery. If you were to give your top five running backs, how much different would it look than his? The people might not be all that different. The order certainly would be different. Yeah, I think so too. But he's probably... I think I have him third. I still have Christian McCaffrey one. I've got Bijan Robinson number two. Do you? Yes, I do. Because? Um, because I think he was so misused under Arthur Smith, and he still had a really good statistical season on a bad team. But you're projecting what you think But, I, he but is. also ta- based on talent, too. But Jameer Gibbs showed a lot of talent. Sure. And he yeah, also he showed a lot of production, especially when he wasn't used for the first third of the year the way fantasy owners one, I'm, I think, I'm now struck. You're really making me think about that. I'm really struggling. With Christian you. McCaffrey is one. Yes, that that is locked in for me. Then for me, I think you could throw a lot of guys in a hat. I don't know if I have Derrick Henry. No, I list. don't. Like, I don't have David. Mon- I, I like Dave Montgomery, but he's nowhere near five for me. Although he starts over Jameer Gibbs. Well, thunder and lightning, man. I do. I would have. Um. Jeez, this is this is actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. I mean, I, I don't have James Cook there, but I think he's close-ish. Um, Saquon Barkley has to be in that conversation. When I healthy, think. no question. Um, and he was generally healthy over the course of the season. I mean, he even came back early from injury. And what would he look like with you know a, you know a better team? I, I, I struggle you, with that one. I'll give you a couple other names that he did not mention that should be in that conversation. Sure. Josh Jacobs should be in that conversation. When healthy. Sure. Isaiah Pacheco Isaiah in that Pacheco conversation. Yeah. yeah, and then, I mean, Kyron Williams was really good this he year, was too. Really That's a, us a great shout. He actually, he definitely, he, he. I guarantee you, he will be a top five fantasy pick next year. And you know the other guy we didn't even talk about because he got hurt really early in the year is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's really good. So I guess what we what we have, you know, ascertained here is that there's a lot of really good running backs in the NFL when people will say, well, there isn't. There actually is. Well, and this is how quickly this moved. He didn't mention, you didn't mention, I didn't mention. Nobody mentioned Jonathan Taylor. 
which again, <laughs> yeah, we didn't even do that. <laughs> not long ago was clearly the number one pick in fantasy for many people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's time now for Bet Slip, brought to you by ProLine Plus, the only sportsbook where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. I am looking at touchdown scorers, Donovan, and Christian McCaffrey is not on this list because, well, that would be chalk, and he's probably going to score in the Super Bowl. Um, here are some of the guys paying decent plus money. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Isaiah Pacheco, Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice. Of those six, who would you select? Actually, Isaiah Pacheco is not playing paying plus money, but he's paying better than CMC. That's really tough. I, I, my knee jerk is to say Debo because he could score in yep. multiple ways. Yep. My concern is, is he going to make it to the end of the game? Mm-hmm. He's had some shoulder issues. And because of that, I take him off the board and I say Isaiah Pacheco. Okay. Uh, do you want to take one from uh, the Niners? Oh, yeah, Debo, Debo and Pacheco. Yeah, Pacheco would be my number one, but for the Niners, Debo would be my number one. Yeah, what about you? Uh, Travis Kelsey, he's going to score in the Super Bowl. You think so? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm going to go with the tight ends and George Kittle. Oh, here's, some long, here's some long shots for you, okay, before we, get, we wrap this up. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, I wonder about the McCaffrey shoulder thing and yeah. how they're going to use him. Good point. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling, because it's the Super Bowl, weird things happen, and he has more trust from Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he catches a long one. That would be a long shot. Uh, so we will see what happens. That was Betslip, brought to you by ProLine Plus, the only sports book where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. Tomorrow, Adam Rank, NFL Network, and Brad Spielberger. He's a cap guy. For Pro Football Focus, he's great. We're going to have both of them on tomorrow. we got lots to discuss. Maybe we'll go through some props with Adam Rank. We'll have some fun. Uh, Thanks to Lance behind the glass. Donovan across the table. Thank you for listening. If you missed Mark Tressman, make sure you download the podcast because he was awesome. That's going to wrap it for the Fan Checkdown. We'll talk to you tomorrow.